You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. This new year, we are starting a new series after spending 2018 in going cover to cover through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've been praying and preparing for the last few months of starting this year looking at some topics that we don't normally talk about in the church, but I know that many people are suffering from burnout, depression, and anxiety. That's why we're calling this reset, that there's hope for those who are suffering through these things. And maybe you're suffering from one of these burnout, depression, or anxiety, or maybe you're you are coming because God wants to equip you to help someone else with God's word through these issues. As we look at this together through the new year, the the most important thing that I hope that we learn through this series over the next few weeks and months is that it is through God you can find rest for your soul. So let's look at this verse together. Let's read them together. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful we can come this new year and to meet with you in your word. We believe that your word is perfect and we believe your word has life. So God, we want your word to change our lives this new year. God, we come to it for hope today and to be reminded of your goodness and love and care for us. May we be changed, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you a question that was shared at a conference sometime this past year. don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember the feeling I had after it was asked. The question, when was the last time you didn't feel rushed or busy. When was the last time you didn't feel rushed or busy? Friends, that question hit me like a hammer. It was like a gut punch. Because for the life of me, I could not remember 
when that was. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you can't remember the last time you weren't thinking about the next thing, that your, your mind was at rest, that you weren't worried about the next day, the next hour, something else going on. I don't know, for me, I, I, I was embarrassed, but I was sad that I couldn't think the answer to that question. One of our pastors that we have met and working in London, Mike Reith, said, in all of our busyness, we have only found loneliness. You know, with busyness, along with other cultural sins and health-related issue, it, depressions, anxieties, and fear are on the rise in our culture, but in our churches. It, it's been amazing. I don't know if you've seen this, but I have. I, the last few months, it just seems like every week there was a new article uh, through USA Today or through Forbes or through some news media outlet uh, on TV, a new study, a new release of, of statistics of people struggling with depression, with burnout and, and anxiety. Uh, some of the statistics that I found, one in three adults over 45 suffer from loneliness. 11% of teenagers have severe depression. So it's all ages. Everyone is being affected by this. In 2016, there were nearly 45,000 suicides in the United States. That's more than twice the number of homicides, making it the 10th leading cause of death. Among people aged 15 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death. The biggest jump over several years of those committing suicide was those among adolescent girls and men aged 45 to 64. doesn't matter who you are, your gender, your age, people are suffering. Not just any people, but even pastors. There was a study that I found that one third of pastors have reported they struggle with deep depression. I want to be above board with you this morning, church. From August 2017 to about May the following year, I believe I struggled with burnout that manifested in depression. I was going through a very difficult season. Uh, I was working 8.30 to 6 or 6.30, doing a lot of work at church, taking a lot of it home to finish up at night, Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, we were in the process of hiring Mark. Now, let me be clear, it's not Mark's fault. It's not Mark. Mark has been a tremendous, tremendous blessing to me, my ministry, to my family, to us. But if you've ever been in church life and you hired someone, it is, it's like a second and third job, uh, finding references, transitioning the staff person. I, I was ordering phones and computers, changing contracts. We were four months away from a baby coming. Sarah was pregnant. I went on a mission trip 
The baby came in December. And if you remember that fall, we had a several string, many people, many faithful members of our church passed away. We had a string of it seemed that every week we were having a funeral. And for a pastor that takes up a day of ministering to the family, but it's more than that. For a pastor, for me, who loves this church, it's saying goodbye to someone that I loved. All this going on, I was working on my D-Men project. Things started to change, and it was, I told the pastors in May of 2018, it, was, it wasn't until then that I felt like that the fog had lifted. You know, many people who struggle the way that I did or in other deeper, darker ways, uh, we go to people who give us suggestions, that give us advice. Change what you're doing. Slow down. Change your health strategies. These are all good things. But one of the things that we fail to do is considering the spiritual answer to our needs. We forget to look at God. Many people say, change your environment, change what you're doing, change what you can control. But the reality is we cannot change completely and be freed from depression, anxiety, and burnout by just changing these things. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones observed, the terrible tragic fallacy of the last hundred years has been to think that all man's troubles are due to his environment. And to, to change the man, you have to do nothing but change his environment. That is a tragic fallacy. It overlooks the fact that it was in paradise that man fell. See, brothers and sisters, the answer cannot come without looking for a spiritual answer in the Bible and specifically in Jesus. How did I come through? I kept looking at Jesus. I kept trusting Jesus. Are you struggling with burnout, depression, and anxiety today? Do you know someone who is? You or they are probably silently being crushed on the inside. You know that you need rest and peace but in looking for the answer, you're looking in places that are only making you feel worse. The list of exercises, routines, self-help books, on and on. These are not bad. These aren't bad things. But friends, listen to this. You will never find complete rest outside the work of Christ in you. I believe in our text today. These familiar words of Jesus helps us to see where we can look, how we can understand that through Jesus there is rest for our soul. The first thing that we see is that you will only find rest when you admit you are weary and come to Jesus. That you admit you are weary and you come to Jesus. Verse 28 Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is a very heavy chapter. If you read Matthew chapter 11, it kind of flies in the face of 
all the pictures that many people falsely paint of Jesus, that he only says loving, kind things. Uh, Jesus was kind, he was loving, but in this chapter, many things were happening. Go back and read it, that he uh, was that John the Baptist was in prison, that he sent people to question whether he was the Messiah. Jesus began to speak to the crowds, and, and then he actually defended John the Baptist as a prophet. And then he goes through this section in, in verses 16 through 24, where he is, is frustrated, angry at this generation of people that he has come to. The, the towns and the places that he'd come performed miracles, but mostly preached the gospel. And they, he had been rejected. Jesus proceeded to denounce these towns. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Jesus was harsh. Jesus was saying, you have rejected the gospel. You have rejected me. And where did Jesus find hope? In verse 25, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven, who have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. Jesus found hope. Jesus was reminded or Jesus was telling all that there is hope in the sovereign work and election of God and salvation. That though these people had rejected him, though these people had turned from him, God is still at work. God is still saving. God is still saving some who trust in him and by faith. The good news that, that comes through this, as we read in verse 28, that this invitation is open to all, but God is saving. God is working. Jesus is saying, Come to me and you will find salvation. You will find salvation only through me. Why is this good news to us? Why is this good news in his day? Well, he was saying, come to me who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Who were the weary and burdened? Well, the Jews of that day, even the Orthodox Jews of today, they believe that salvation can only come if they uphold the law. Not just the Ten Commandments. They believe that over 600 laws called the mitzvot, the, the laws that, uh, that govern life, uh, the way to, to holiness, to, 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 to keep their lives straight, to be pleasing to God. These laws were the ones that govern food, sex, and, and life. and It, it, would, it would go as, as distinct and, and, and finite as as. You can only have so many steps on the Sabbath and you can only uh, cook so many things. And, and so they would have to change their pattern of life that they had to, to, had to do most of their work on, on the day before the Sabbath and cook food on the Sabbath. And, and let me be clear, these Jewish people rightfully wanted to please God, but the laws became burdensome and tiring. And Jesus was saying to them, come to me. Come to me. The Greeks of the day there, they were always looking for knowledge and intellect and the explanation of things. The problem were they were looking at the next philosopher, the next teacher. The next teacher would come to the town and they, they would be caught up on the new philosophies of the day, the new ideas. The problem were they were looking everywhere but God for the answer to the truth of life. 
So they had to keep up. They had to go to the city gates. They had to go to hear the next teaching. They had to go to the next teacher, philosopher, idea. But they never had peace. In the same way, we're looking for peace from God. We are separated from God by our sin, and we know that we need to return to Him. And Jesus is saying to us, come. It is only through us that you will get rest. It is only through us that you will not have to be worrying yourself by pleasing God. It is only through me, through the work of grace, a free gift, that you will find rest. But there are still more burdens that Jesus is telling us to come to him. We suffer from guilt over past sins and remorse over past errors. We bear the weight of fear. Fear of illness, of failure, of adversaries. We bear a load when we think that we must pretend to be someone who we're not. We bear a load when there's a chasm between who we are and the persona we think we must project. When there's a distance between our way of life and our image. But do you know what we're mostly addicted to? Being busy. This I read in the pages of Forbes magazine. Most people tie their self-worth to what they accomplish. When people ask us how things are going, our first instinct is to say that we're busy. If we're not busy, it may seem that we're not doing anything interesting. We believe that we appear be, if we appear busy, we're successful and important. Especially at work, people often find it necessary to look busy. If you don't look busy... You must not be doing anything worthwhile. And friends, let me tell you this. I believe that we are ruining our children by the busyness that we have bowed down to as an idol. We're never at home. We're always on the go. We're always struggling to the next thing. Our children think busyness is the only way of life. But what Jesus, Jesus is calling to us, Jesus is calling to us to come and rest. Come, we who are weary, and rest in Him. He says, rest from all the pretense. Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand by the roadways and look. Ask about the ancient paths, which is the way to what is good. Then take it and find rest for yourselves. We must admit that we are weary. We must admit that we're tired. Friends, it, it, it's like that we have constructed a hamster wheel of life for ourselves. That we, we run, we run, we spin, we spin. And at the end of the day, end of the month, end of the year, we look back and we don't think we've accomplished or know we have not accomplished anything but being busy. Jesus is calling Step away. Step away from this. Admit that you're weary and fall into my arms. We need to throw our, ourselves into the arms of Jesus. How do we do this? I believe we, the second thing we see here is you only find rest when you rest in the work of Jesus. You only find rest when you rest in the work of Jesus. Verse 29 says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says something striking here. Take up my yoke. If you don't know, if you weren't 
raised on a farm, you might know what a yoke. A yoke is a, a big wooden beam that had been planed and made to fit over the shoulders of two ox or two donkey. It's designed to help two animals pull something that's extremely heavy. Jesus probably saw his father and his, his earthly father in his carpentry shop make many of these. Jesus says something paradoxical. Take up a yoke that is easy. You see, it's interesting that Jesus uses the picture of yoke here. Many of us would say, or many people would say, that Jesus has, has come with no burden. But Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying that there's a yoke here. We, we know that Jesus didn't call us away from the law. Jesus didn't say, no, um, ignore the law. Jesus says, I've come to actually fulfill the law. There, there is something for us to understand there. Jesus did not come to diminish the law. He actually said, not one will pass away. He actually said there was a deeper standard, remember? He said, so you look at someone lustfully and it's been adultery. He said, if you have anger in your heart, it is murder. So how can we come under this yoke and feel that it is easy or feel that it is rest? Because the good news is Jesus has fulfilled the law. It was Jesus who perfectly in his righteousness completed the law and he died for our sin. That those who could not keep the law, the law keeper died for us. That it is Jesus who was perfect at upholding all things. We can't accomplish these things on ourselves. Instead, Christ accomplished it for us. And those who trust in Christ inherit or enclosed with this perfection. Romans 5, 18 and 19 says, So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also though one righteous act there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Friends, it is in Christ that we uphold the law. And so for his yoke is easy because he is coming up under it with us. You know, this time of year... We don't like to be measured up. Beginning of the year, we don't like to measure our weight. You know, I get on the scale and the scale says, one at a time, please. We don't like to measure our bank accounts. We don't like to measure how this time of year, what we failed and what we've accomplished in the year before. Maybe we're reminded of broken relationships. We don't like being measured burden that we carry is we're, we're trying to hold up by looking a certain way, achieving certain things. But friends, here's the good news of Jesus. Take up my yoke that is easy. Because the good news is this, friends. Listen to this. Listen clearly. We are not measured by something else. Someone else has been measured up for us. Jesus died on the cross and he is measured to be found perfect and we are to be found we are found in him so here's the good news for us Jesus is coming under me success is not on me Jesus is coming under me this is rest for our souls
Which leads to this wonderful truth. You can only find rest when you realize God is always with you. When you realize God is always with you. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's a great truth for us to be reminded. When we come up under the yoke, we are coming near to God. Notice he says this, my yoke, my burden, they are light. Here's this critical truth. When you are under trial, you are more near to God. When you are coming under the stress and pressures, the burdens, he is coming under you. And just like a yoke that is coming under a two oxen or two, two donkeys, they are not separated far apart. They are brought near. And in the same way, we are brought near to God. You are enjoying the divine hospitality of God himself. When you are depressed and you're burnt out and you're struggling, you have one step, one step alone. Obedience and enjoying the nearness of God. Those who I've talked to have suffered from deeper, deeper depression than I struggled with. They'd say, Pastor, I just trusted in Jesus. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I just would cry out to God and I'd say, God, I know that you were with me. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know that each step of the way that you're near. And so to you, this is what I'm saying. God, again, again, is saying to you, I am near. I am with you. So maybe you might feel that one thing. Maybe you need to start saying this to yourself. God, I'm just going to take this one minute knowing you are near to me and I know you will help me through. God, you're going to take this next hour. I know I'm just going to trust in you this next hour, this next day, this next week. I know you are near. You are under me. You are helping me. You are near. Thank you, Lord, that you are near. God, again, again, tells us that he is near. When we're struggling or in trials, the Lord is near. How do we know this? Because in God's good pleasure, he has told us that he is near throughout the entire Bible. Joshua 1, 9, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. Matthew 28, 20. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. And Romans 8, 38. 
through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God shows us that he is near to us. And by coming and dying, coming in the flesh and living and dying for us that we might live, God ultimately shows that he is near. Nothing can separate us from him. God is near. So you who are struggling today, hear this. God is near you. Call out to him. Rely on him. Lean on him. Help you take each step. So how do we respond today? First, most importantly, do you know Christ personally as Lord and Savior? You might be burdening yourself by trying to please man. You might be burdening yourself to try to be good enough for God to love you. You might be trying to burden yourself by overcoming your past or your sins. Trust in His work on the cross. Give Him your life. He will make you His child. The work of Jesus has already saved you. Repent and believe in Jesus and be saved. But could you all help me this morning? Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Just close them. I just want to ask you this question. How many here today are depressed, suffering from anxiety, or burned out? Or how many of you know someone who is suffering with these things? With every eye closed and head bowed, would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Well, to you, and to those who you are struggling with. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Help them see or help you see that you are not being measured. That he has been measured for you. Speak the truth to your heart and to your head. God is near you. God is with you. Jesus is coming under me. He's lifting you up. He loves you. Let us find hope in these wonderful words. And let us find rest for our souls by coming to Jesus. Dear Holy Father, we are thankful this morning for the reminder from your perfect word that you are near. That you love us. That when we are suffering, that we are struggling, we are sad, we are lonely, we are hurting. That we can come to you and find rest for our souls. God, I pray this morning for those who are here and do not know the relationship that they could have, the close relationship to you that they can have through your son Jesus. I pray that they have heard the gospel this morning, that they would be saved that they would call out to you and become your child. And God, today I pray for those who are struggling, who are hurting, 
that they would turn to you and find rest for your soul, for their soul. We ask this in Jesus' perfect, precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him. Amen.